Welcome to another episode of White Collar Crimes. We show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. I'm your host, Ryan Horn. Great to have you aboard, as always. Following up a little bit on some subjects that we've talked about recently, fairly recently, and that is that of the opioid epidemic we have in this country. And make no mistake about it, I'm sure you're all aware it is an epidemic. And I know we have listeners in other countries, and I dare say it's probably a big problem in your country as well. And this is the episode we are calling the opioid epidemic, Profit from Pain, because that's exactly what has happened. People that have had legitimate pains and problems that they hope to be addressed through medicine, conventional medicine, have become highly addicted to these medicines and many of them, their lives have spiraled out of control, spiraled into lives of crime. I know in all my years Working in the criminal justice system, I have certainly seen that, and I've also studied it from an academic standpoint through, you know, years of teaching classes and, you know, my graduate study work and things like that, and uh, it is a serious problem, folks, and I dare say just about everybody will be impacted in some form, one way or other. Either you'll have a family member or somebody you know or a friend or somebody that is going to have some addiction problems from this because some of these things are just so highly addictive that uh, they're going to discontinue to destroy lives. And as long as you have people that are willing to continue to push this and peddle this, and they are going to make profit from it, make no mistake about it. Uh, People are willing to pay for these types of drugs, and there will be people that are willing to manufacture them and make fortunes off of other people's suffering. Uh, Opioid overdoses have exploded, as we know, in recent years, and unfortunately, the last two years of this COVID pandemic, it's gotten even much worse. Um, according to the CDC, from about 1999 to 2019, nearly 500,000 have died at the hands of these drugs. And who knows, probably could even be more by the time you hear this recording. They believe the first wave, and they kind of put the opioid epidemic in three phases or waves, if you will. And they believe the first wave of this problem began in the 1990s. And then they believe the second wave began in about 2010 with a return of heroin. Heroin kind of made a comeback at this time. You know, heroin was a you know big drug in the late 60s and through the 70s. And then, of course, in the 80s, crack and cocaine kind of took over. And in the 90s, you know, different various, uh, you know, other types of drugs were introduced. You know, you had the explosion maybe of some methamphetamines and you know, other types of drugs. But at this time, they believe the second wave came around about then. And then this was a short-lasted wave, and they believe by 2013, a third wave had already begun with the illegally manufactured fentanyl, which we're all aware of now in the last few years of what's coming about, and especially as much of it is coming across our border. It is an extremely lethal drug that in very small amounts can be fatal. Well, people are obviously willing, as I said, to pay for these drugs. So who exactly is profiting? If people are buying them, somebody has to be selling them. And, you know, there's a middleman, of course. So if there's a middleman and somebody's selling them, who's actually manufacturing these types of drugs? And you got the middleman and the manufacturer profiting from this. So who are these folks? Well, nearly half of these overdoses that we talked about a little bit ago are from prescription drugs, according to the Health and Human Services Department. 
So make no mistake about it. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's not going to cause problems. You know, we have a tendency to, when we think of drugs, we just think of crack and cocaine and heroin, you know, methamphetamines, this, the drugs that are illegal and can get you in jail. But make no mistake about it. These prescription pills, you know, these painkillers, hydrocodone, oxycotton, all of these, though quote unquote legal, are still highly dangerous. Alcohol, you know, if abused, can be an extremely dangerous drug, even though it's legal. You know, it's still dangerous. You know, nicotine, although legal, you know, can be quite harmful to your health. I'm sure just about all of you listening, wherever you're listening from, have a friend or family member that has fallen uh, to heart disease or lung disease from smoking due to the highly addictive nature of these, of nicotine. So, Drugs of all kinds are addictive, and as long as people are willing to pay for them, they're going to be people to make and sell them. And, you know, really almost since the dawn of time, you go back and look even in biblical times and ancient history, people have always found, tried to find ways to alter their moods and, you know, change maybe reality. And substances are the best way sometimes for people to get that uh, high or whatever it is they're seeking and something to deliver them from reality. And that is one of the problems. People are seeking relief from pain these days, but not just physical pain, but emotional pain. You know, uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs, all those things are highly on the rise, especially the last couple years. I mean, we've seen the results of what's happened in this pandemic. And regardless of your position on any of this stuff we've had the last two years, it's really pretty much not... It's irrefutable now. We have suffered a lot of collateral damage from this, whatever's happened. Uh, Suicides, I read recently that I think they had doubled in the last couple years among adults, tripled among teens. Substance abuse, I know one of the local uh, substance abuse agencies, treatment agencies near where I'm at and who I sometimes once in a while will work through, they have advertised you know, how much in need they need of counselors and different things like that because of the explosion of substance abuse in the last couple years, alcohol and other drugs, people, you know, being confined to home and not a lot of hope, a lot of anxiety about what's going on. Some people didn't handle it so well. Uh, We also know domestic abuse was skyrocketed during this time. A local prosecutor here in my county stated last year from about March or so of 2020 to March of 21, that one year period there, the domestic battery cases in this county where I live doubled, you know. So a lot of people have a lot of emotional pain and they're seeking relief from that anywhere they can get it. Now we've talked about one of the big players in this already. We did, you know, a while back a uh, podcast on Purdue Pharma. They were the big folks that profited from Oxycontin. They were finally taken down through lawsuits and forced into bankruptcy, but you know, they didn't face any criminal actions for what they did, even though the illegal drug pushing they did and the kickbacks and all the things they did with the doctors to get them to push their drugs were highly illegal. They themselves, none of them ever spent a day in jail, which, you know, is, uh, as you see, is a recurring theme on this show. We point that out a lot, that many times white-collar criminals do not spend a day in jail. So we know that farm is a booming industry, not only through this, but now they've got vaccines they're making money off of. And again, whatever your position on that, doesn't matter. We can all agree that uh, Big Pharma is going to make a fortune on these vaccines in the years to come. They already have, and they're going to continue to have. In the last year, I heard recently, since this pandemic has begun, there are nine, count them, nine new billionaires that have joined the Billionaires Boys Club list. So big money in this, folks. And 
Yahoo, which isn't what it used to be. You know, when I first got my first email and first started learning how to use the internet, Yahoo was a pretty big thing for a long time. It was the number one most used homepage. Now, I don't know how they're even in existence, but uh, I still check them out once in a while. It's kind of really a nostalgic thing for me. You know, again, that's where I kind of learned to cut my teeth with the internet. But uh, Yahoo ran a story back on February 8th that this crisis is costing the U.S. alone $1 trillion, and this is with a T, not a B, $1 trillion a year. And they say in this article that since 1999, 1 million Americans have overdosed. Personally, I think it could be even higher than that. You know, CDC has a little bit of a more conservative estimate, as we said, but they had a little bit higher in this article. They claim, personally, I think it's even higher than this 1 million they claim, especially when you're talking a period of over 20 years. You know, a lot of people have been overdosing, especially in the last few years. So do the manufacturers and distributors of these drugs care? Well, the drug lobby has enormous muscle with both doctors and lawmakers. And Purdue took a lot of heat, but a recent trial in Oklahoma revealed many of the ingredients for their opioids were supplied by Johnson & Johnson. Now, we know Johnson & Johnson's also making a killing off these vaccines. You know, they were one of the first ones out with this, one of the big three. And, uh, you know, there were some problems with theirs, and, you know, theirs was different in the other doses. I know with, uh, you know, um, some of the other two companies, with the other two companies, you had one or two doses you would have to get, but Johnson & Johnson was the first to come out where you just got the one dose and that was it. So they're making money off that, but guess what? They're supplying a lot of these ingredients to make these oxycodone and uh, or hydrocodone, oxycodone, all these different very highly addictive painkillers that pharma or Purdue Pharma and all these ones were getting basically from Johnson & Johnson, one of the big suppliers of it. As we know, the health industry is one-seventh of the U.S. economy and growing all the time. Personally, I think that'll probably surpass that. That's what it's been estimated for a long time. But I think in the era of COVID and, and vaccines and, and this epi uh, epidemic that we have right now with opioids, I think it's going to climb easily to one-sixth or one-fifth of the economy very soon. But what role are doctors playing in this? After all, somebody has to prescribe these medicines to folks, right? I mean, you can't legally get these medicines unless they are prescribed by a licensed physician. And this is not a slam on doctors because I personally like the ones I have, and I think 99% of them out there, like most professions, they do a good, honorable, honest job. Uh, you know, maybe not that high. I don't know that any profession, 99% of the people in it are good, but let's face it, I'll just say the overwhelming majority, I think, of doctors are good and honest and they uphold their oaths and try to do the right thing. But are some of them willing to overlook the harms these drugs do for profit? As we know, Purdue Pharma and a lot of these big companies were paying doctors, you know, under the table, kickbacks, things like that to promote these drugs. They were flying them out to conferences and sending them to ski resorts and things like that to hear little uh, seminars on them and, you know, and really pushing to uh, promote them, you know, kind of an indirect bribe, if you will, in that sense. And, you know, doctors make good money anyway. And if they're going to be able to make even more money pushing this, some of them probably will see it like, hey, you know, why not? Um, I'll just prescribe it, even though I know this is not helping that person and is probably even going to kill them if they uh, don't handle it properly. Because, 
you know, these drugs, and they're not all, you know, not everybody that takes these drugs become addicted to them or have harmful effects. You know, there are people that do take these drugs as prescribed, and some people don't get addicted to, to drugs very easily. But let's face it, we have a large percentage of the population that do. And if these are that available, people are going to get hooked on them, and they're going to live spiral out of control financially, trying to keep up and buy them, uh, trying to focus and stay on work. It's hard for some people to hold down a job when they're groggy or high all the time. And like I said, I've seen it a million times in my years in working in corrections and probation. People, uh, a lot of times that get hooked on these drugs, end up on the other side of the criminal justice system. Finally, when they're unable to get these drugs or afford them, they start committing crimes to get them. So the money's being spread around. In fact, according to the Center for Public Integrity, between 2006 and 2015, drug companies spent $880 million promoting opioid prescriptions. That compares to the paltry $4 million advocates have spent against them. So it's a David and Goliath story here, folks. Not even close. You know, I mean, hundreds of times of millions more money these companies, these drug companies have to promote their products versus the folks that are trying to warn people about their dangers, the budgets they have to counter that. It's almost non-existent. You probably haven't heard of Insys Therapeutics. I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, but they played a big role in this. And they manufacture Subsys, and I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a liquid form of fentanyl. And it was founded in Arizona back in 1990. And remember earlier, that's when the CDC thinks the first wave of opioid epidemic that we have, the opioid epidemic we have, began in this country. So in 2016, U.S. District Court in Massachusetts, they arrested several of the executives from this company, charging them with attempting to bribe medical officials to prescribe their pain meds. You know, we've already seen this is a big thing. Purdue Pharma was guilty of this, and so are so many others along the way. And rarely do we ever see anyone taken in for white collar crimes fortunately this company you know was kind of called out on the carpet for what they did on that and with the legal costs and the civil lawsuits the company was forced into bankruptcy back in 2019 so you got two big ones here thankfully that have been sank from this you know you had purdue pharma a while back a year or two was taken down through bankruptcy and a variety of legal problems now you have this company that was brought down. Insys, I think, again, is the correct way they pronounce it, but nonetheless, they were taken down. And John Kapoor, he is the founder and CEO of this company, and he was charged under the RICO statute. Remember, that goes a statute that goes back to the early 70s. This is something the Justice Department came up with to really kind of define and criminalize organized crime action. You know, they had to get a good definition of what was using organized crime to muscle and make a profit and things like that and how it went about. It was something that Rudy Giuliani, the former New York mayor, previously he was a federal prosecutor. This is something he used to take down a big chunk of the New York mafia in about in the 1980s. Huge amount of them ended up going to prison and it greatly weakened the mafia's muscle in there. And this was something that was thought up by an older law professor, my understanding, back in the day in the early 70s there. I forgot what law school he was out of, but he's the one that came up with this idea and 
the Justice Department has been able to use it to really keep organized crime in check. And, you know, really, they're, they're not gone by any means. Well, certainly we still have organized crime. But in the last 50 or so years that this RICO has been around, their muscle and influence has greatly waned. Of course, they also have competition from, you know, street gangs and that now that they didn't have back in these days as much. But nonetheless, they don't have the muscle they did. And under RICO, he, Mr. Kapoor, was charged with conspiracy to commit wire fraud, and other types of similar federal charges. They said he also conspired to violate anti-kickback laws. Again, kickbacks are good. You know, here, doctor, you prescribe X amount of, of uh, Oxycontin and, you know, we'll make this X amount of money. We'll kick back X, Y, and Z to you, whatever percentage, you know, back to you for doing this to that. Highly illegal, and, but it goes on. Not only in the medical profession, we've seen several politicians over the years get convicted of of doing types of business like that and getting kickbacks. Kickbacks are, you know, nothing new, and they're certainly not unique to the medical profession. But he was charged and convicted under these laws. But despite all of this, in 2020, he was sentenced to only five and a half years in prison. You know, a guy that is, you know, poisoning the public through his meds and getting doctors to prescribe way more than anyone needed so they could get these kickbacks and you know get the money from it obviously again like i said if doctors aren't prescribing these meds nobody's going to take them so despite all that he gets five and a half years in prison you know for having a huge role but again at least he went you know the purdue pharma people probably are the number one culprit in this epidemic and nobody from that company's ever served a an hour in jail or prison is my understanding you know again they suffered a series of civil suits and fines and they were forced into bankruptcy as was this company but at least somebody the ceo especially here he did go to prison from this company albeit it will be for a short one that was two years ago and you know so he will be out in the next few years but at least he did get one you know as we've said in this show several times with white-collar crime, crim- the ones that do get convictions, the white-collar criminals, the wealthy, powerful ones, they oftentimes get shorter, much shorter prison sentences than what street criminals will get. So it's just a fact of the matter of what it is. But at least he is doing some time for his crimes. So some big players have been taken out. You know, them, Purdue, Purdue Pharma, you know, a few others hopefully. But somebody's going to step up in their place. There's still a big market out there for it. There's still plenty of people willing to use these drugs. I'm sure there's still plenty of doctors willing to prescribe them. There's people willing to produce these illegally. We've seen street gangs, organized crime organizations. Some of them even will get pill presses and manufacture these drugs themselves so they can push them illegally. So as long as people are willing to use them and people are willing to pay to use them, it's going to continue, folks. And even though they're taking out some of the big players in this, and they have, you know, I said we've got two of them, two big ones that have been taken down here. Has it really stopped? No. We know for a fact it is still continuing. We still are in the middle of this epidemic, this opioid epidemic, and it's likely going to continue for a long time. Why? As we said, as long as people are willing to use it, and as long as people are suffering from physical and emotional pain, they're going to seek relief from that. And these are ways they can do it and these are ways that they will do it how are we going to stop it can we stop it you know i don't have an easy answer for either i hope and pray we do get a handle on this because i know from working in the criminal justice system for over 20 years it is very taxing to the criminal justice system 
it's very exhausting to what we have to deal with with that and you know it costs taxpayers a lot of money to combat this problem it's very taxing on families this has destroyed more families than probably just about anything we've been hit with in this country in in decades you know if not ever you know and it continues to be a huge problem and unfortunately will and only god can help us get through this i hope and pray that people that are suffering from these addictions that you can see seek help you know please seek out your local treatment center if you're listening to this and you are suffering from an addiction from this there is help available and you know we here listening want you to get well we want this to be a problem that will hopefully someday be a thing in the past but it takes awareness on all of our parts and it takes you know a lot of effort that we're all going to have to do whether you're a private citizen whether you work in the criminal justice system whether you work in healthcare it's a problem all of us are being hit with and again there's no easy solution and no easy answer and unfortunately as long as there's a profit in it i'm afraid people are going to continue to do it so it's a problem we're going to continue to look at here there'll be some episodes down the road focusing on that i uh, hope you're able to tune in to those and we'll have some other episodes coming up <clears throat> near on some other financial crimes again as long as people are willing to rip people off there's going to be white collar crime it's up to us to look out and keep an eye on that for each other and we certainly appreciate you looking out for us and tuning in with us here Um, you can like us on our facebook page white collar crimes you can donate to us on the anchor fm site that we have but you know as i always say we certainly appreciate more you tuning in but if you want to donate and help us continue to bring this show that is greatly appreciated any amount you can even be a monthly donor for as little as about a dollar a month or 99 cents a month and we would appreciate anything like that Um, check out other things i've got things going on my website ryan-horn.com if you need any type of voiceover service always glad to provide that type of work and as always check out your local pet shelter if you're looking to adopt your best friend best kind of friend you'll ever have so We appreciate you tuning in, folks. God bless. Take care. We will see you all next time.